Pro Group Management. Workers' Comp that works for you. Welcome to Nevada Newsmakers. On the broadcast today, retired Colonel Chris Thompson, U.S. Army and National Guard, here for the whole show on an all-new Nevada Newsmakers. Pro Group Management offers workers' comp services to a growing number of industries. As businesses grow and change with the times, the need for a solid workers' comp program must be flexible and up-to-date. The evolving nature of regulations can make staying ahead of complex tasks challenging. But Pro Group Management simplifies the work so your industry can move forward and succeed. Pro Group Management. Workers' comp that works for you. What do you count on? You count on your power every day. At NB Energy, we've always powered what's important to you. But we're not looking at the past. We're focused on the future. While our standards are high, our rates will remain low. And our commitment to renewables isn't just meeting standards, but leading the way. Because you can count on more than just your power. You can count on the company who brings it to you. That's our promise. You can count on it. I'm here at the Carson Valley Inn in Mendham with Joey Whitaker. One of the things I love about the Carson Valley Inn here in beautiful downtown Mendham is CB Steak. I have eaten here so many times. Tell folks what they can expect when they come here to eat. It's a beautiful room, great service. We have certified Angus beef, seafood, lamb, a great range of appetizers, and wonderful desserts. Jean-Michel's done a great job of selecting some beautiful wines for us. The customers love it, and we've got a great selection of cocktails as well. It's not a long way to get away to the Carson Valley Inn. Oh, what fun it is to win during the $100,000 Christmas giveaways at Timurat Casino. Up to $17,000 in cash and free play giveaways each week. And over $20,000 in giveaways on New Year's Eve, including up to ten dollars in cash. Your good times are at Timurat Casino. This is Nevada Newsmakers with host Sam Shad, a no-holds-barred political forum. Now, from the Nevada Newsmakers broadcast headquarters, here is Sam Shad. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we welcome to the program for the first time retired Colonel Chris Thompson, U.S. Army and National Guard. Pleasure to have you on the program, sir. Thank you, Sam. Good to be here. I wanted to ask you a question that's been driving me a little bonkers for months now, which is for all intents and purposes, is not the United States at war with Russia? We are not. We are not at war with them. And I, I, I know, you know, you're expressing, I think, the feeling of many that perhaps this is some kind of proxy war, but that's not true. Um, we don't have uniformed uh, troops on the ground. We are not directing combat operations. We are not engaging in uh, acts of war against against the Soviet uh, or against the Russian regime so clearly we are we are not at war now are we are we uh, involved in a to support Ukraine absolutely but it's uh, it's we're not uh, it's clearly not at war at the current time okay but we are supplying munitions at a very high level um, I'm presuming we are supplying things like AWACS surveillance would that be correct do you think I, I don't know that. I mean, I think the, uh, the, the, the black ops stuff, you know, who, who knows what's going on there. But I, I do know that the, the uh, s Russian regime has very sophisticated electronic space-based systems that were we going kind of outside the envelope on, on committing an act of war, they would have called us out on it and, and probably retaliated. And the fact that they haven't, uh, tells me that we're not going outside the, the envelope of 
of simply supplying weapons, supplying finances, and uh, support like that that falls far short of war. Okay. Um, do we have military on the ground in Poland, in uh, any, any of the surrounding countries, to your knowledge? Yeah, absolutely we do. Yeah, we, have, we have all the NATO countries uh, probably have a U.S. military presence of some sort. Um, in terms of combat units, you know, the vast majority of combat units have been pulled out of NATO in Europe over the years. I, in the Cold War, when I served over there on the Iron Curtain, we had about six uh, division equivalents uh, in country in, in Western Germany, and then more kind of around the, the NATO uh, uh, crescent, if you will. Um, but that has been uh, pulled way down to almost nothing uh, in these days, other than advisors, technical assistance, maybe some trainers on weapon systems, that kind of thing. Okay, in Afghanistan, we were told for a long time that we had three, 4,000 troops in Afghanistan, and then when it came time to withdraw those troops, we found out that we had three or 4,000 members of the military and 135,000 contractors and support staff. So therefore, my question becomes, how many military contractors do we have, sure. either in Ukraine or surrounding countries? I haven't seen any reports on the numbers, but, but your point is absolutely right. And, and it comes about because you know, the, the administrations, both Republican and Democrat, don't want to go to Congress, and the Congress doesn't want to take up measures that, that uh, might add uh, uniformed personnel that's a tough political hurdle to get over. And so what they do is, is to get around that is they'll simply hire a bunch of contractors. I know at one time after the Iraq war, we had more contractors in Iraq than we did uniformed service members not too long after the armed conflict ended, which to me is just wrong. It's just, it's just it's, you know, if you're going to go to war, then you need to get the public behind it. To get the public behind it, you have to explain what the mission is and have the military sized properly to do the mission, as opposed to hiring a bunch of civilians that, that you know, you, you have issues on, on discipline, on, on, on criminal activity by the civilians, on supporting them properly. Rules keeping, of engagement. Rules of engagement, all that. And that's, it's just, you know, it made me uncomfortable to see that many contractors. And I'm sure there's still that kind of environment uh, that exists in Europe and in the Middle East in terms of us having a lot of contractors on the ground. Um, and the Russians are not shy to be hiring contractors themselves. They are not. Matter of fact, they're very I mean, vicious contractors. They, they, they are. And they're, they're hiring the, uh, the most aggressive kind of mercenaries out there. I mean, they've, they've even advertised it on, on global media platforms. And it, you know, the, I suppose the good news with that is, is that the fact that they're having to bring in armed mercenaries shows that they're having a, a hard time internally justifying to their own people filling out the needs that they have for the Ukrainian war. Here's another thing that, that, that struck me, um, and you don't really hear anybody talking about it. I'm presuming that our CIA or other um, secret organizations must have known that the Russian military was not up to strength to be able to pull this off. Because if, if we had, and I, I, this is conjecture on my part, I have no knowledge, but um, we would not have been supplying the kind of military aid to Ukraine if we thought that they were gonna lose. 
I don't know about that. I mean, I, I in my in my career, and I, I've never been involved on the CIA, the DIA, NSA side. So I, that's outside my experience. But I can I can tell you this: during the Cold War, during the with the Soviet uh, Union on the other side, the press, the intel agencies, always made them out to be eight feet tall, superhuman. Their vehicles were far better than ours, and. And I remember one instance we had on the Iron Curtain where our, our regimental commander called us all in to the secured facility of Skiff, and they played radio transmissions from a Russian tank gunnery exercise. And these people could not hit the broadside of a barn. They were yelling at each other, commanders getting fired on the spot. It was mass chaos. So I think a lot of us that served... Um, uh, during that Cold War, recognized that they may not have been as, as top-notch as they were portrayed to be. But before the invasion of Ukraine, I think there was a general consensus probably across the board that they had massive advantages. They could choose the uh, place of attack. They could array their forces. This was before Ukraine had a lot of support in terms of weapons or ammunition uh, types from other countries. So the advantage was heavily with the uh, Russian regime prior to the war with Ukraine, in my view. Okay, but, but that seems to be a false curtain. It seems yep. that once you pulled the curtain back that they were not even close to that. Yeah, absolutely, and, and they, had the, they had the numbers and they had the equipment, but their, their command and their logistics and their tactics and their operational art has been severely lacking across the board. And, and simply put, the, the Ukrainians just handed it to them. I mean, they just, they just, uh, they, they stopped the, the, uh, the main invasion toward the Ukrainian capital in its tracks. I mean, when you see the, uh, the aerial footage of the destruction of, of the attacking force, it's just, it was a slaughter. And, and it was a lack of, of tactical experience, lack of tactical knowledge, a lack of generalship, a lack of tactical leadership, just horrible across the board by the Russian army. Okay, so when you and your former colleagues talk, and I know you talk all the time, um, where do you see this ending? Because wars don't end in fighting, wars end in diplomacy, but it's hard at this point in time to see where that diplomacy comes from. I, I, yeah, it's, you know, I, I was talking to a, uh, a buddy of mine that we served together uh, in, in my regiment uh, in Germany yesterday, and, and, and he mentioned, uh, and I looked it up, and it's correct, that the Ukrainians have lost 100,000 KIA, soldiers killed in action. That's more than we lost in uh, Vietnam and Korea combined. The casualties have just been horrific, and the Russians have, have lost a lot. So I think at some point, the, the civilian leadership and the civilians in the, in the, in the countries are gonna drive their governments to negotiate. And I have to think it's gonna be in the next six months or year, one would hope, uh, when the civilian, when the, when the population has had enough. And you know, perhaps it's a, good, it's a good place right now because the Ukrainians gained some of that ground back, but just to have a negotiated peace, maybe not a settlement, but at least a ceasefire. And one would hope that that's coming soon. Um, winter obviously plays a role in this. I mean, you know, go back through history, and you are a student of history. Yep. Um, the Russian land is a place where people get bogged down um, in the wintertime. Um, do you see, and, and this is a broad question, do, do you see a change in leadership in Russia? 
because it, it, it doesn't strike me that Putin is in any position to want or need to step down. He's, 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 a, he's a dictator. That's, that's, you know, he's got control of all the apparatus of government that he needs to stay in control. But, uh, and again, you know, the, the issue, uh, it's important, I think, to realize our issue over this Ukrainian war is not with the Russian people. The Russian people, you, you see dissidents, you see protests, you see, you know, so, so their civilian societies probably not so much different than ours or the Ukrainian uh, civilian society. But the issues with Putin and his regime, and I think at some point, even the, the communist government, in the, the regime in Russia will have had enough of Putin. If he embarrasses them, spends, puts them into bankruptcy, his time in office will be over one, one way or the other. So I, I don't, I'm not buying into the fact that he's there for life. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, Russian leaders that have retired, shall we say, before their, their life was over. So I'm still hopeful that, that his own regime is going to move him out or, or make him change his behavior. Do you have concerns um, that with the embarrassment or whatever, however you want to describe it, of this loss, um, that he could move to another phase, um, either limited nuclear warfare, or my bigger concern really is, you know, the GPS satellites that we have going. You take out our satellites, this country is going to grind to a, a stop here almost overnight. I think this is, the, the war has been so damaging to Putin's reputation and the reputation of his regime that I, I just, my, my gut says it's unlikely that it's going to escalate further in terms of outside the, the boundaries of the country of Ukraine because his own people are not going to let him do it. I mean, you know, he, he's seeking to, to reestablish the old Soviet Union. And, and that's it. He's, he's stated as much. And so as long as he's successful, I think his, 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 his regime uh, infrastructure is going to support him. But with this setback that he's had in Ukraine and the, and the international embarrassment, I just think they're going to they're going to keep a you know they're going to keep him within the boundaries of Ukraine and let him sort it out there. But they're not going to let him uh, uh, go further, in, in my view. When I interviewed Senator Jackie Rosen, who sits on the Armed Services Committee, um, she said that from the very beginning, replenishing the military stock, the the bombs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, was written into the bill from the day one. I doubt that Russia can afford to restock their, their armament. Is that, is that our winning strategy there? Is that, as we did in the Reagan administration, we just have more money than they do? Well, and, and, and our economy has always been our center of gravity in terms of national security. Our, the ability we have to produce arms, weapons, to have an economy that is vibrant, to have global trade, uh, to, to produce technology, to produce uh, R&D, that's always been our strength. And it's always been those kinds of things have, have proven to be a, a very weak point of the uh, current Russian regime. And so, yes, we can outlast them on weapons production. We can outlast them on ammunition. He's already scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, there's been reports that they're running out of intercontinental missiles. Um, so Putin is kind of, he's, he's down scraping the bottom of the bucket at this point in many sectors, just in terms of logistics. Okay, so, so in the big picture, then whatever happens here with the Ukrainian situation, 
it delays Russia from really doing very much more in terms of offensive behavior in Europe. Absolutely, and, and that's, that I think is a key uh, benefit to us helping Ukraine. I mean, number one, you have the moral issue here that you have a, a, a psychotic uh, dictator invading another country. But, you know, moral, um, moral justification is not enough for the U.S. to, to dedicate hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, in precious uh, taxpayer money. It's gonna be billions. It's gonna be billions, exactly, or hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, but, but on the other hand, if we, can, if we can prevent Putin from reestablishing the Soviet Union that he wants to do, or, or most of it, and if we can stop Putin from starting another Cold War, um, and in the Cold War from the 25 years from the early 60s to the late 80s when the wall came down, our government spent probably 40 or 50 trillion dollars to, to defend against the Soviet Union. Four deployed forces, all the technology, all the upgrades and weapons and the escalation in the arms race and all that's 40 or 50 trillion dollars. So if by stopping him now in Ukraine, and by the way, helping an ally and helping someone who's, who's, who's been wrongfully invaded, then to me that's, that's, that's very much, uh, very much an advantageous strategic move on our part. And we'll be back with Chris Thompson with more after this. I'm here at the Carson Valley Inn in Minden with Joey Whitaker. Entertainment here at the Carson Valley Inn is extraordinary. Yeah, super proud of the TJ's Corral, our outdoor venue, about 1,500 seats. We've had first-class entertainment out there. We've had Merle Haggard, we've had Chris Young, we've had Lee Bryce a couple times, we've had Pat Benatar, Joan Jett, who's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we're real proud out there, and it's, and it's just, a great time. Watch CarsonValleyInn.com and grab those tickets early. It's not a long way to get away to the Carson Valley Inn. Like a traditional handmade basket, retail is woven into the fabric of life in Nevada. From big box to mom and pop, retail supports our communities in countless ways. Jobs for the disabled, team uniforms for kids, help for the elderly, and so much more. Retail employs over 1 in 10 workers. Retail supports Nevada, and we support retail. R-A-N-N-V.org. Southwest Specialties has been making the homes and businesses of Nevada beautiful for more than 20 years. Their experienced designers and craftsmen create the walkways, backyards, water features, and a variety of outdoor cooking areas that add curb appeal and value to your investment. Call today or visit them at their website and see how they can make your outdoor spaces special. Southwest Specialties, creative, distinctive, beautiful. Oh, what fun it is to win during the $100,000 Christmas giveaways at Timurak Casino. Up to $17,000 in cash and free play giveaways each week. And over $20,000 in giveaways on New Year's Eve, including up to $10K in cash. Your good times are at Timurak Casino. This is Nevada Newsmakers. And back on Nevada Newsmakers, we continue our conversation with the retired Colonel Chris Thompson, U.S. Army and National Guard. China, it seems to me for as much noise as they have made and as many actions as they have taken, they are more interested in trade, especially with the United States, than they are with anything else. Am I right about that? Mostly. Um, the, the two caveats to that are the Taiwan situation, number one, 
and number two, space. Okay, so hang on. Let's okay. do one at a time. Fair enough. So Taiwan, Sig Rogic said to me, that, and, and he does negotiations for businesses between the United States and China. He says they've wanted to take Taiwan since the Nixon administration. They have plenty of time. That's, it, it, he's exactly right. And the, the Chinese are known to be the most patient strategists in the modern world. They will wait. They will move very slowly and incrementally. But Taiwan is a vital national interest for the U.S. because 90% of all the top-level semiconductor, the, the chips, computer chips, are manufactured there. And virtually all of the high-end uh, computer chips for the top-level um, software is, is made there. And so were the Chinese to take Taiwan either by force or politically, they could hold those chips hostage for whatever they wanted. I mean, can you imagine no new supply or restrictions on the supply of chips to manufacturing? Chips go in cars, in cell phones, in laptops, in, in computers. They, they're everywhere, in, 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 uh, in, in everything in your home, all your appliances. And if that, if that, if that supply chain gets cut off or greatly damaged, I mean, it's, it's, it's over for the U.S. economy. So that, that's why it's key to, to make sure that uh, that, that supply line is protected. And are we not sailing through the Taiwan Straits on a regular basis to make the point that we're we not are. just going to let Taiwan go? I think, I, I was going to say that, that, but I don't think our naval presence is enough to prevent a takeover of Taiwan that by the Chinese, given the proximity and you can already see the Chinese are basically going through right, battle but, drill rehearsals. Right, but wouldn't that, you know, to an extent, destroy the Chinese economy? Because the United States would have to retaliate. They would not want to retaliate militarily, but they could retaliate trade-wise, and that would be crushing for the Chinese. They could, although, you know, it's questionable. Our, our stated strate strategic policy of the U.S. toward China is... Has, has, it's unfortunate. It, it's called strategic ambiguity, where we don't say if we would uh, uh, intercede militarily, that's not in the policy, one way or the other. And we say that we believe in one China, but we want an autonomous Taiwan. And so it's a very ambiguous, confusing for both the Taiwanese and the Chinese as far as what our intentions are. Yeah, it's certainly an area I wish we would, we would clarify one way or the other. The diplomats love it. The diplomats we'll, love it, yes. We'll be right back with Chris Thompson after this. Hi, I'm Renee Summer, our digital news anchor here at 7 at 7. Watch our streaming nonstop newscast immediately with your mobile phone. 7 at 7 is the new way for you to get every bit of local news you need in just seven minutes. Breaking news, local neighborhood news, weather, and sports are just a click away. Reporters bring you all of what's happening in the Valley. From Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, YouTube, and more. Get every bit of local news you need from the RJ and LVRJ.com. As you know, Reno is booming. Toll's development company is helping it grow with insightful design and development, building community with every project, adding beauty, adding excitement, emphasizing our shared humanity. Reno is becoming bigger. Toll's development is helping it become better, more livable, more enjoyable. To learn more, go to tollsdevelopment.com, tollsdevelopment.com. Truck drivers are some of the hardest working people you'll meet. 
delivering over 70% of America's freight and 92% of Nevada's. When there's a natural disaster, they're delivering critical supplies to help those communities recover and rebuild. Every sector of the economy and our nation's military rely on truck drivers. So let's take a moment to say thank you. On the open road or city streets, our truck drivers are rolling to make our economy and our nation stronger. Trucking moves America forward. Snorkel personnel lifts are engineered beyond the industry norm to an uncommon level of safety and durability and with an eye towards sustainability. They're also designed to be simple to operate and maintain. Snorkel, always at the cutting edge of progress. Oh, what fun it is to win during the $100,000 Christmas giveaways at Timurak Casino. This is Nevada Newsmakers. I'm back on Nevada Newsmakers with retired Colonel Chris Thompson, U.S. Army and National Guard um, Cutter. Could you believe the World Cup in Qatar? I, I love that game. I, I thought it was, I, I watched all of the games leading up to it, England, France, and, and it, uh, the, all the U.S. matches, and it was, what a phenomenal uh, activity over there. It was kind of good to see the sentimental favorite, Messi, come out on top for the okay. first time in his career. But Israel flying planes into Qatar. Yep. I mean, Saudi Arabia, their leader, sitting next to the emir of Qatar. I mean, there was so much diplomacy going on in Qatar. It was unbelievable. It's always been a place, that Doha has always been a place where people meet. And, and I know they were, you know, they were involved in, in our work in the, in the in Middle East, in, in both wars that we've had over there. So it's always, that area in Bahrain has always been kind of an area where the where the, all the political factions kind of meet and, and talk. And where we have a huge base. Yes. Chris Thompson, come back soon. This Thank was you. fascinating. Appreciate I enjoyed it. it. Thank you. And we'll be right back. Take a look at Pro Group Management and see how your workers' comp requirements can be met head on. By taking a proactive approach, Pro Group can assure that your company is meeting or exceeding state and federal standards. As you move forward in your industry, Pro Group moves with you, simplifying regulatory tasks, clearing the way so you can get the job done and look to your future success. Pro Group Management, workers' comp that works for you. Each day, the Children's Advocacy Alliance partners with leaders, legislators, and families across Nevada to improve children's health, education, economic well-being, and safety. We recognize Nevada will be no better than the state of its children. Be a part of this change. Be a supporter of the Children's Advocacy Alliance. For more information, go to caanv.org. Imagine a magical garden that feeds Carson City's hungry and homeless, teaches our high school students agriculture, creates hanging floral displays to beautify downtown, and yet charges nothing. It's not magic. It's the Greenhouse Project. It's real, it's growing, and it needs your help. Go online to carsoncitygreenhouse.org so together we can grow it forward. 
Modern Boutique Ahern Hotel and Event Center sits at the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Two floors of meeting and event space are ideal for groups and conventions. Stay in one of 200 luxurious rooms and suites. Brand your event throughout the property. Flexible event spaces make for easy planning and personalization. Take over the entire hotel with a full buyout option. Nevada Newsmaker Studio is located at the headquarters of the Nevada Trucking Association. Motion and purpose are a truck's greatest virtue. As always, you can watch Nevada Newsmakers 24 hours a day at NevadaNewsmakers.com. See you on the next show.